Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. We've been having a ton of interviews lately, so I'm very excited to do this one. I'm your host, Tia, and today I will be speaking with Jessie LaFerre. Um, Jessie is one of the contestants for Fox's Ultimate Tag. We spoke with his fellow contestant, um, we talked to his fellow contestant yesterday, Carrie Burnins, which was an amazing interview. Make sure you check that out. So we will also be speaking with Jesse today, and I have to ring him in. So give me one second, guys. Make sure I get the time. We're not calling some random person. <laughs> All righty, let's dial in Jesse. Hello. Hi. Um, am I speaking to Jesse LaFair? LaFair, yes, you are. Oh, hi. How are you, Jesse? Um, this is I'm, Tia I'm so from Geek Fries Nation. Awesome. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's so lovely to be speaking with you. First of all, congrats that uh, Ultimate Tag premiered a few days ago and got really good viewership. So that is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, just especially like, yeah, the the viewership alone. I think they said it the, it was broadcast highest rated unscripted summer debut in three years and Fox's highest rating unscripted summer de- debut in seven years. So we're like, yes, because realistically, it's such a fun thing to go do that we're like, we're all hoping for season two, just for the pure sake that we want to go hang out and do it again. Yes, absolutely. So yesterday, I actually had the privilege to speak with Carrie, uh, uh, aka Banshee, and Banshee. So I, I wanted. <laughs> and so you, your um, your stage name is Lafleur, and so how has that been with you know Lafleur and Banshee, you know, together? Like, how has that been working alongside Carrie for Ultimate Tag? Well, you know, I think what's really cool about Maya and Carrie's um, experience together is she was actually brought in. Um, I'm I'm the stunt double for Nightcrawler in the last two X-Men films, and they had brought Carrie in, um, I believe, during reshoot to double one of the actors that came in to shoot a, a set of scenes. Um, so it was very interesting, you know, having a relationship start with her before we even started shooting this show. So um, we kind of stayed connected after that, and then when I – we were brought into ultimate tag and I saw the final cast. I was like, this is awesome. Cause Carrie's such a character. I mean, first off, just like 
even on the set of X-Men, you know, she's doing like these interesting things and we're like literally sitting down in a scene together and cameras are about to roll and she's like doing some funny stuff with her hands at me. And I'm like, you're wild, man. You're such a trip to like work with. So when they, yeah, when she got brought in and they kind of like put her into this Banshee character and she just, I think she was a little uh, reluctant at first um, to play such a wild sort of beast. Uh, but the second she embraced it, oh, everybody was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, this is such, it's such good television, but she is such a great performer in, in how she embraces the crazy and the twisted. Like, I could just see it as I talk about it, her, her head movements and things. So um, it definitely was fun. A li- even for us, a little scary at times. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was cool. <laughs> Yeah, and you're right. When I spoke with her yesterday, she's a sweetheart, and she was even saying when they were like, we're going to name you Banshee, and she was like, you think that I'm that wild and crazy, but um, that's really cool to hear about your bond that you guys had both in Ultimate Tag and before Ultimate Tag. So it's funny, you did mention the X-Men uh, movies, and I, of course, had that on my list um, when I saw that in your resume. I was like, that's so cool. Um, so where would you kind of compare, say, stunt acting to being in a show like Ultimate Tag? You know, there's, there's a lot of similarities, right? Like there's this element of performance. Um, when you are stunt doubling a main character or, you know, a guest star role, like I did for Hawaii Five O season seven, episode one, um, you are the performer, regardless of whether you're supposed to be covering your face because you need to land in a certain way so the actor can get in it, or you are the actor in the scene. Um, being on the stage of ultimate tag, there is a performance element. Now, LaFlair is my last name. It is a character it's like an extension of me. And it was part of the reason I didn't go for an alter ego is because I really wanted to represent um, my own personal brand, but for the sake of building the sport of parkour and allowing people to have someone that's actually uh, a known athlete within the sport um, be recognized along with it. So that hopefully America realizes how badass parkour is and and the the kids out there get off their couch and they want to go out and play and progress and learn all these life lessons about overcoming obstacles and whatnot. But I'd say, yeah, I mean, what, what really does compare is like you're, you're out there and you're performing and there's cameras and you need to know like everything that's happening. Um, And in the same thing as, as doing stunts, it's you're doing extreme movement. There is, there are, in stunts, we try to rehearse. We try to make things as safe as possible. But with Ultimate Tag, it's almost crazier than your highest budget stunt because there's so much happening that is unpredictable. You know, if someone cuts a turn or does this or someone jumps off of this thing as you're going there or as a performer, I'm literally like calculating as I'm running past one of the contestants, oh, I have enough time to throw a flip right here and land. Hopefully I don't kick him in the head. <laughs> and and all of that is being calculated in like a split second of moment of time and you really like the beauty of being someone in parkour that has 15 years experience is that I get to lean on the subconscious right I get to lean on like just the allowing my body to react and all of that training to sort of plug into being the best performer as I possibly can as well as an athlete yeah, and I checked out your YouTube page. You are 
incredibly athletic, and it's really cool that you were, like, um, doing parkour in different countries and all that. So you obviously have a love for being active. Um, when it came to getting the part on Ultimate Tag, was that something that you sought out, or did your agent say, hey, um, we know how active you love being this show would be perfect for you like how did it happen you getting a part on ultimate tag they found me and reached out i actually oddly enough was reached out by two different departments at first i was reached out to to be a tagger um and Mm -hmm. to be honest my so i'm a a part of my i'm part of a company called tempest free running we're the largest uh, free running and parkour brand in America. We have four gyms. Um, they're training facilities specifically for the sport, and we're all working stunt men and stunt women as well. So there was already a few people on our in our company and on our team that were working on the back end of the show and helping produce what obstacles can look like in the courses and how things can be run. Um, so they all knew that. I should be the character because outside of just being athletic, um, I'm very, uh, like you were saying on my YouTube, I'm always making videos. I'm always talking to camera. I'm always trying to grow the sport. I've produced and directed um, two films about the sport, two documentaries. Uh, And with that, I actually produced and directed two tours, one world tour that went all around Europe. Um, and one that my, the last one, which was 62 days long that we, we did hosted 22 events, bringing kids and athletes in the sport together, um, in, uh, yeah, for 22 events in 62 days, uh, with a tour bus and everything wrapped on it. So if you look at the sport of parkour, it's really hard to, to miss me, right? I've like, over the last 15 years, I've really made sure that I had pieces of media out there and I have, I think 70 or 80 tutorials. So a lot of people who get involved in the sport have have learned through me. So um, in some ways, you know, actually JJ calls me the Michael Jordan of parkour in America, but like I associate more with like almost like a Tony Hawk or someone who, who I was really just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, cool. I'd rather you say it than me, but, um, but it's just who, like, you, cause a, a, people started to say it. And the second someone said it to me, I was like, that's like goals, right? Like that's the dream is like the beauty of what Tony did for skateboarding was he, he brought it to a mainstream audience and, and was a character that people were able to get behind um, to, to fall in love with the culture of skateboarding. And that, that is something that I've, I've not, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I guess I'm seeking out to do because I'm always trying to grow the sport. And um, if I just happen to be the person that keeps popping up and you hopefully like the character that I'm, that I am, you know, not just my, my somewhat more cocky rock star character on ultimate tag, but the actual person who Jesse little flair is, then uh, I think I did my job and helped change the world in the best way possible. So you say that you have been, um, you know, a, in this sport of parkour for about 15 years. And, um, you know, I remember when parkour like really kind of came more to a mainstream level, and I feel like you've been doing it so for so much longer than I say. I would think that the mainstream media kind of um, has focused on it. What kind of got you into parkour in the first place? 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, well, first off, I come from an action sports background. I grew up with a, a dad that just loved like motorcycles and anything that had an engine. So I was literally riding a motorcycle when I was three. I couldn't even touch the ground. You know, I was taught like, all right, remember, if you want to stop, you have to jump off the bike. Don't let it fall. It'll burn you if it lands on you. Like, so you're, you're almost thrown into the heat of like protecting yourself for the sake of also doing extraordinary things. And that continued through action sports until I was about in college. Uh, I discovered some kids that were doing parkour and I didn't know what it was at the time. And um, at the time I could throw this big backflip. So I got up on a ledge and I threw the flip and they're like, Oh, that's cool, dude. But we're, we're actually doing parkour. It's not, it's not about flips. It's actually about overcoming obstacles, whether they're physical or mental ones. And I was like, I went to new pulp, kind of a hippie school. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. So the second I was introduced to it, I started looking up. There was forums online, and you could start to, like, learn. There was, like, all these people in, in uh, London that were doing some incredibly, like, executed movements where they're just, like, so precise. And then, you know, you have these guys in Russia that are doing more breakdance style and tricks. And, and you're, like, just the combination and possibility of what parkour could have been and still kind of can be. Is, is the thing that keeps me the most interested uh, and, and the fact that you are the device, right? The only thing we do have is shoes. That is the only thing that we possibly, that's the only tool we can use. Um, and I am actually lucky enough to be the world's first pro- professional parkour and free running athlete with his own pro signature model shoe out for the sport. Yeah, and I have always thought that because every other sport has something else with it, whereas for those who are into parkour, it's literally just you. You know, it's your body. And um, I saw on your, you know, background that you were on American Ninja Warrior. And I always thought, like, I actually used to watch that with my mom. And we always used to say that the people who were involved, say, in parkour or even, like, rock climbing – seem to always have, like, the advantage over everyone else. So my two questions kind of are, how did parkour help you on American Ninja Warrior, and how is the experience differ or the same between American Ninja Warrior and Ultimate Tag? Yeah, great question. I think, first off, parkour teaches you functionality and movement within your body. I think the best parkour athletes are the – like what makes you a pro watching a pro what makes watching a pro different from watching someone who's just getting started is this efficiency it's this like minute measurement of space between your knee and the ledge as you're vaulting over it it's like the the height in which a a foot comes off the ground and reconnects like all these little things that you start to like i call it like mental mapping when i get into a new space you learn that space and then you adapt your efficiency to it in a show like Ninja Warrior or Ultimate Tag. You don't really have that opportunity. You know, in Ultimate Tag, we, we got to go on the course for a little bit. We got to um, do some tests on, on other versions of courses, but most of the courses we didn't really get to, to practice on. And with Ninja Warrior specifically, you're not allowed to touch the course. So I was fortunate mm-hmm. enough on Ninja Warrior to get to, fastest qualifying time in Los Angeles um, the year that I competed and I think I really it, it really was because of my training that I do to adapt to any environment and and um, it definitely showed in that it was like this confidence 
an understanding of physics and movement and momentum, um, gravity. And like, you know, it's like, so I think what really does relate between the two of them for me is that, is that adaptability and, and, you know, on the course for Ninja Warrior, it's the course that I'm chasing. Like it's, for me, it was always the time. I never practiced. There's a lot of people who compete on Ninja Warrior that spend their entire year leading up to it, practicing obstacles, trying to find out the ones that they're developing, trying like making their own to try to like figure out like, all right, what if they do this to us or that to us? And for me, Ninja Warrior was always an opportunity to test my parkour ability. Because it's really hard, you know, we say we're doing parkour and parkour really in its most defined state is like the fastest and most efficient way from point A to point B by going over, under, or through any obstacle. Well, when we go out and make videos and things like that, it's, it's not about that. It's more free running in its style and its interaction with the space. But on Ninja Warrior, you can't test anything. So it's like I could go slow and take my time, but it, that wasn't interesting to me. I'd rather land in the water um, by trying my hardest and seeing how efficient and, and powerful and uh, whatever uh, adaptable I could be. Um, but with Ultimate Tag, it's even cooler because – ever changing i'm chasing someone so if they decide to go left everything in my body needs to react to that moment um there's something very difficult about trying to grab those like flashing tags that are hanging off if it was just touching the contestants they'd all be out a lot quicker but you have to almost like get ahead of it in some way to understand and predict the moment of where that tag is going to go and what direction it's going to go in. So um, what I love about ultimate tag in that sense is like, it is an incredible test to parkour ability. And luckily our contestants are also incredible athletes and um, give us a good challenge. Like Charlie, who just won episode one. Yeah. And I love your passion for parkour, the athleticism, and the really kind of mind state that you have to get into it. Out of all, and I know this is probably like a tough question, but out of all the places that you've been around the world, where would you say you had the most fun doing parkour? Yeah, definitely a tough question because there's every element is different, right? Like there's there's like in Vienna, your group of the group of friends that I met there was made it one of my favorite places I've ever gone in the world. Jumping into the water with them and training in their local spots. Um, but if you were to just like pick a spot and be like, what's the what's the coolest line you could do or the craziest setup that that exists for me? You know, I was lucky enough to go compete in what was called the Red Bull Art of Motion. Um, and I, I was, my first year, I ended up um, taking third and winning best trick. Um, and that, it, it took place in Santorini, Greece. So the beautiful part about Santorini is that all these structures are built like interlocking and they're made of this like ancient concrete and this like, it's like very hard surfaces, but because it's, this volcanic island and they're they're built it to be very structural everything's kind of connected so all of a sudden if you're able to do decent roof gaps these gaps between roofs you can just run for like uh, miles on the rooftops of like these beautiful white stone roofs and uh so for that alone i think there's so much possibility there um and it became a cultural I mean, people, hundreds of free runners every year 
would go out there for this one event, not just to watch the event, but to get an opportunity to go play and train with everyone in, in one of the craziest places we possibly could. That's just so fantastic because not only are you getting to do your sport all over the world, but you're also just getting intertwined with all of these different cultures. So it's, yeah. it's really nice that that has brought you into that. Um, because we're a geek fast nation, I would be uh, not doing my job properly if I didn't ask you about your time on the X-Men movies. I mean, what was that like? Did you have to go through a really intensive makeup process? How was it um, filming those two those two X Men films? First off, like I, I guess most of my life seems to be a dream come true. Like everything I talk about, I'm like, oh, it's a dream come true because it really is. You know, I I grew up like talking about like I'm going to be a stuntman one day, and I didn't know what that meant. And I was on Long Island. I was a kid that never left my hometown. You know, I'd look at clouds and be like imagine their mountains and try to understand what traveling would look like. And so for for me to like, to just continue to live these incredible moments and and watch my dreams continuously become reality, it's mind blowing. So when I got the call to actually be Nightcrawler and I, I collected comics as a kid, I still have a stack that's just like locked up in this like space because it was just one of those things you did in our time period. And I loved, like, I was, I was always passionate about like finding cool undiscovered number ones and like learning about new characters. So, but the X-Men comics were so relevant to that time period. And, and I like, you know, I'd, I'd sit there and pretend to be Gambit and all these other different people. And like, I don't know. I think when I got that call, I was like in disbelief. And then being a part of the project was even crazier because one, we're shooting in Montreal during the summer. It's absolutely gorgeous. Then, two, you have a cast of, like, young, passionate actors who just want to have fun and, and do good work. And because of that, you know, we're there. Between those two movies, I probably spent, like, over a year of my life or more out in Montreal hanging out with the same people. Um, they all became a very close family. People like Sophie Turner are, are, we're still friends to this day. And like, obviously the actor, Cody Smith McPhee, who I doubled as Nightcrawler, we had such a great working relationship that he understood um, in a lot of scenes, Nightcrawler's doing movement, but you're not just there to do a stunt. When you're a character like Nightcrawler, you're in this mode, right? There's a stance, there's an energy. You, yeah, you did three hours of the makeup every morning and um i felt like when we started the film it definitely was like the process of the morning and the hair and makeup probably took three or four hours right and by the end they got it down and we were we were in and out of the chair between you know an hour and a half two hours maybe but you know you're when you're as nightcrawler with all the other actors but your character needed to do something you have to be nightcrawler so we had a really great relationship developing what he did and how he moved and the energy behind him and why he was doing it. So for me, someone who loves acting, who's gotten big acting roles on television shows and whatnot as well was like, this is like, I'm, I'm essentially, you know, in like a major blockbuster film as this character that I could only dream to be. So uh, I would love to do it again. I'd, and I'd love to do any other mutant or superhero movie because outside of actually getting to do it and the, the dream of it all, it's also those, the sets, right? The sets and the production is just so high caliber 
that you don't even need to use your imagination most of the time. You're, you're surrounded by things that look exactly like you could ever imagine them to look like. So it, it's really cool. That is insanely cool. And you mentioned Gambit. So would you say that you would like to play Gambit if they say brought him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? You know, I don't know. I don't know who I... I was trying to think about this recently. Like, what, who else would I want to play outside of, of a Nightcrawler? I don't know. I think there's part of me probably just because of, like, the Gambit part. I was also really into Spawn as a comic book. And obviously, I don't think the movie did it any justice. But I think yeah. there's just, like, there's something about the badassery of that character and the darkness that, like, it, it's cool. Um, and I'd love to just see it fleshed out. Whether I would be the guy that double him or not doesn't really matter to me. But um, no, I like I like characters that I can actually put movement behind and help create some really unique stuff that you know hasn't been seen on the the big screen um, within these characters. Yeah, and I I, I could totally uh, see that as you said you know, before you are an incredibly active person uh, and you were mentioning before about your uh, shoe brand, Um, you know, walk me through that as the, you know, first person in your profession to kind of have that and why necessarily did you think of, you know, getting behind that sort of business? Yeah, absolutely. So the shoe is made by Tempest Free Running, like I said, not only do they have um, one of the largest brands within the sport and, and especially in America, they also have these facilities in which they help train the youth and bring people up. Um, but what we had talked about was this, this device, this tool, right? And one of the things that our sport really, I think potentially hurts our sport, uh, which was also oddly enough, the thing that interested me the most about it was, is the fact that there isn't a device, Right. In any other action sport, you're looking at things like wheels, bearings, chains, grip tape, um, bolts, uh, like boards. Like there's so much. If you look at any of these other sports, whether it's skateboarding or BMX or roadblade or anything that like remotely has to do with anything in that space, it's they have all of these different. Even scootering, which just came up, had such an easy spike to get sponsorship from. Because so much of the stuff already relates. Okay, they need bearings. Okay, they need grip tape. Oh, handlebars. We can make small handlebars. We make handlebars for BMX. Let's make it for them. Um, But for us, it's nothing. I mean, what we have to sponsor is our lifestyle, the character you are, whether you want to wear a hat or a watch, um, and shoes. And realistically, as a free-running and parkour athlete, shoes are the most important thing I have. Um, A lot of people are very, very particular about the shoe they wear because they've learned to adapt to it. They learn to love it. They trust the grip. They know what it sticks to and what it doesn't stick to, um, how it absorbs an impact, whether it's gone right or wrong, whether it's concrete or marble. Um, So for us, when, when Tempest approached me and said, we would like to honor you with the first ever pro signature model shoe in the sport, that meant like, developing a shoe from scratch and that's a process that one is super difficult it took us over three years of developing and wear testing and trying to understand um, how to work with factories and and what that looks like and building an entire new mold Um, 
because what we have seen in our sport is a few companies, including Tempest, have released shoes, but they're using pre-existing molds, the, the, the upper, the last, all the different things that makes up a shoe already exist. They're just trying to co like combine a couple of things. So when it came to building a shoe from scratch, the idea was like, how do we make this our tool? What can we put into a shoe that is going to make you a better parkour athlete? You know, and, can, and what does that look like? So first thing that came to mind was, well, we land on the balls of our feet every time. That's the goal. We want Whether we're landing on a rail or a ledge, if it's a rooftop or if it's down low, it doesn't matter. We land right here. So can we extend that? Can we do an extended precision zone, which will give us more surface area, which will allow for more grip? All right, what else can we do? Um, well, I do tricks off the front of my foot and a regular sneaker that doesn't work. I hit my shin bone, you know, so I'm, I'm learning to do it very softly and, and adapt. But what if we built a shoe that was a little bit more of a high top with an extended tongue that had some padding in it? Now we can do tricks off of that. Um, biggest injury in our sport, ankles, right? You're, you're stuffing your ankle a little weird or you twist it because you're stepping off of this wall and tic-tacking off of that. Well, let's, let's build a functional ankle strap and then let's turn it around. And because free running for us isn't just about movement, it's also about style. Let's have it so it can invert the strap and wear it back strap. So now it's just a cool look if you don't want to wear the strap for anyone that's afraid of a high top that wants a low top sneaker. Um, then lace locking technologies, just keep your shoe and everything where it is. And uh, the grip, the rubber that we developed, and even the foam right now is called our, it's our true foam technology. It's a foam that we had developed um, with a shoe designer who has worked with people like LeBron and, um, uh, I think even Shaq and like helped design the original Reebok pumps. So like we had brought in some very important people to help make sure that what we were creating was also like a solid product. Sorry. that was Oh, wow. So, but. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I love it. Like finding all of the things that go into creating this tool essentially for you and yeah. have, what, what has been the differences in before using this shoe and after using this shoe in your sport? Um, well, you know what? I think one of the most like upfront in your face, uh, this is an obvious uh, benefit of wearing this shoe has been people who have worn the ankle strap um, in whether it was competition or training and had something go wrong. Right. I think a lot of what you won't see is, Hey, what's the difference? I don't know. It works great. Six everything. Like, you know, like, cool. There's no, like, it's, it's a hard thing to like register as like, yeah, that shoe's great, you know, because when it's going right, it looks right. And it's fine. Um, but when it goes wrong is when we really see like, oh man, actually funny enough, cause I, did, I just connected this while during your question, but um, Tevan, who's the flow on ultimate tag, he was competing in Canada wearing the La Flares and had this crazy like bar slip up where his ankle on the live stream of the televised version of it looked like it like completely was not going to be okay. Like it got stuck behind him and like, oh, wow. came, I don't know. So I had texted him. I was like, dude, you all right? And he literally was like, I still have the text somewhere, but he's like, he's like, uh, your shoe is the reason why I'm all right. And I was just like that, just, just that one, right? Like, because Tavon is easily one of the best, speed athletes in our sport. And if the fact that he says that the LaFleur shoe actually helped save his ankle is, 
I mean, how different could have been? He might not have even been on the show right now. So for me, it's like, if, if it can help one person or it can inspire one person to go out and take themselves serious enough to practice and train and, um, then it, then it was all worth it. Yeah. Well, that, oh, wow. that is so wild um, to even kind of have that story behind us. It certainly solidifies you know, all the hard work that you guys put in with this sneaker. Um, that's so cool. Like, I love your passion for the sport and the energy that you put behind it. I certainly hope that there is a second season of Ultimate Tag because it seems like not only – um, do the viewers enjoy it, but the contestants or the professional taggers are loving it as well. Um, yeah. Jesse, I should mention before, just as like a little, uh, little asterisk is, uh, fifth, I don't know if I said it yet, but the 15 out of our 18 pro taggers are wearing the shoe and some of the contestants actually showed up competing in them. So that was kind of cool too. That is so cool. No, I love that. Uh, that must have been such an amazing thing for you to kind of see that because um, it all – really started with you and you bringing all this light to the sport of parkour. So I think that ultimate tag will certainly also help with that. Um, And before I let you go, besides ultimate tag, you know, what do you, what do you have going on? What should people look, you know, in your wheelhouse, what would you like to promote? Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm, one of my favorite projects that I'm, uh, involved with right now is a company called Obsesh, um, and they have Obsesh TV, and they just launched a new show called uh, Adventure Amplified, where they take these sort of world-traveling renegades who are adventure-obsessed um, and have shot these incredible videos and, and, I don't know, journeys around the world, and they've put them together and um, created this new show and I'm actually the host of that show which is fun as well as my series off the edge that is seen in in most episodes of it uh and that is available on the people are awesome channel under the like it's like all these digital platforms like Roku and maybe you could look it up if you wanted to plug it properly but it's available on like it's a digital streaming platform um and I definitely yeah I'm I'm a fan of the obsessed uh, team over there. It's some really powerful women behind it and uh, what they're just trying to do to inspire people to get out and, and be healthy, have fun and travel the world. So um, yeah, that's probably the, one of the coolest things I got going on outside of everything else besides Tempest and the shoe and everything. That's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I have had a lot of fun in this interview, and I'm glad to have learned uh, a bit more about the sport that you are so passionate about. Yeah, thank you so much for for um, for the good questions, and I you know I love the fact that you said shining a light. I feel like that's been like part of my inner soul journey right now is just like being the light and, and, and trying to bring everything up around me and um, lucky enough to have a platform like a national television show being on to, to talk about some cool stuff and hopefully inspire those to live their dream. Absolutely. Thank you so much again, Jesse LaFleur, and everyone make sure you check out Ultimate Tag. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> so you, you have yourself a great day, Jesse. You too. Bye-bye. 
All right, everyone who listened to that um, interview, please make sure that you check out Ultimate Tag. I have now interviewed both Jesse and Carrie, and they seem to absolutely love it. Um, as someone who is not myself a big sports person, it's actually really uh, refreshing to hear two people who love the sport so much. So make sure you check that out. You can check out our interview with Carrie at geekvibesnation.com. We are on all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that good stuff. And we will have more interviews for you coming up soon. So thank you, everyone, and have yourself a great day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.